Hello and welcome back to the Steph Gorton Show. I have an incredible guest on today that I'm really excited to chat with. And actually, this podcast has been meaning to happen for, I don't know, maybe like six months, but you know. A long time. A long time. But I have Sarah Schultz here today with me, and I am just so excited to have this incredible woman on our podcast. Sarah is a creative director, community builder, and cheerleader of equality. She designs visual identities and creative strategies for brands, capturing and captivating their ideal clients. She is the co-founder of The Merry Hour and has facilitated intimate and purposeful connections for over 200 women at her events. She's a passionate believer that feminist isn't an F word, so she is my girl. And she has also founded This Femme, using apparel as a tool to encourage conversations about equality. Through her brand agency, Free Afternoon, Sarah and her team have a love for sharing brand stories, whether that's creating impactful content for social media or developing a brand's identity. Storytelling is the central point in their process. Her personal website, Hey Sarah Schultz, provides educational resources for the budding entrepreneur, giving them the confidence to build a brand that really represents them. And I'm so excited to have you here today. Hey, thanks for having me. Did my team write that or did your team write that? I, I think your team wrote that. I'm not sure. Good job. That's brilliant. <laughs> I'll have my team talk to your team. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. <laughs> Thank you for having me. This is like a long time in the making. That's pretty it cool. is. I mean, but you did have a baby. So I that, feel like there was a little... Yeah. For a wrench in a few things. You did. Like, I'm sure you would say, okay, we're doing this now, I see. <laughs> here we are. <laughs> well, thank you for being patient. I'm so excited to be here with you today, Steph. It's really, really nice. I actually was introduced to you from my podcast manager who was like, I think this chick could be really cool to have on the podcast. And so I started following you and I was like, oh, I love her. Like, I just love her content. I love everything that you share. And even though we're at such different stages of life, you know, and even probably business and experience, but everything you share is so relatable and so real and so cool that it made me just be like, I need to get this woman on the podcast because from a brand perspective, you do brand differently. And I love that. And it really stands out and it cuts through the noise, which I think is basically what you teach other people to do. Oh, thank you so much for saying that. I joke all the time, especially for my personal social profiles, like it's hard enough just to be genuine me, let alone some sort of fake persona trying to catfish or be someone I'm not trying to be. Like I've spent a lot of money in therapy to just settle in and feel happy with who I am and just be that person and be it loudly and feel good about all of that. Right. So I think it's served me very well to be genuine who I am showing up every day. And it's far easier for me to manage. And people have said, like, I love that. I can sense your energy or who you are in person is who I feel like I'm meeting on social media. And that is super flattering to me. I love hearing that because that's an important part of my core personal brand is to be truly genuine and representative of the real shit that's happening and not shying away from sharing that. Yeah. Just before Sarah got on, we were talking about, she put a reel up this way, guys, you need to go check out her social media. She put up a reel being like, yeah, what I thought maternity leave was going to look like versus what actually it looks like. <laughs> and it's just life. Like it's real life. It's it's honest real life. Often just how my life also looks, but even without children, like, again, it's just totally so relatable. So for anyone who doesn't know you, which, you know, is crazy and afterwards, I'm sure they will be as mad about you as I am. Who is Sarah? And what does it in your life look like, especially at the moment? 
Right, especially at the moment. Well, I'm currently staring at a third-party balloon install happening in the background over here. We got dinosaur balloons in the background. Yeah, they're so cute. I am a serial entrepreneur at heart. From a super young age, I knew that I wanted to do something on my own. And I knew it was going to be in the creative space. And I was pretty dead set that it would work. Like, it just was never a doubt in my mind. And so after a stint in corporate America and realizing that was not for me and traveling full time with my husband, which probably was for me, I really quickly realized that I wanted to build some sort of sustainable, wildly enriching business because work in my world is not like I wake up and then I have a personal life and I go to work and then I have a personal life after work. It's like I have my waking hours and my sleeping hours and my work and my life just all blur together. As a creative, I don't like the structure of a normal workday anyway. So if I'm feeling it at two in the morning, I'm going to go do something creative. If I'm feeling it like I want a nap in the middle of the afternoon, like I'm going to honor that. So I knew that I needed this ultimate flexibility and whatever it was that I was doing, I wanted to inspire other women to do the same thing. I am not a unicorn. I'm not special. I have an undying belief in myself, which is why I love entrepreneurs because we all kind of have this crazy notion that against all odds, we're going to make it. And that is so attractive to me. I just get energized by working, especially women in business who, you know, statistics prove it over and over again. The odds are not in our favor, Mm -hmm. stacked up against us in terrible, very unfair ways, especially in business. And when you layer in domestic duties and that invisible workload, like the fact that you and I are here today, we've already beat so many odds, right? So that's just really exciting to me to truly embody and model a lifestyle that I do not think I'm special or unique to have achieved and encourage other women to do the same. And I just so happen to do that through brand identity design and web design and helping other women in business actually tangibly activate those dreams into even bigger realities, which just I love every day. And that is why I knew that I wanted to be a friend. <laughs> because <laughs> I'm sure you get that a lot. I love that. <laughs> friends, I love it. We are friends. We're friends now. <laughs> and, you know, because it's just like when you meet women that are on the same mission as you, and it's so nice. It's so cool because like when you meet women like you and like myself, and there are dozens of like, hundreds of thousands of us that are out there just giving their own little piece of impact, a piece of knowledge, a piece of heart, a piece of passion to the same mission, you know? So ours is about monetizing your business and setting up systems for scale. Yours is about creating a brand identity and really like owning and honoring that and like finding your authenticity. And then you have like the people who are doing the, you know, the trauma work or the therapy. And so like we all have these little elements that we bring to continuously help and not just this generation, but the future generations of females, which is just so powerful. So you mentioned that you got started quite young into entrepreneurship or that you knew that it was for you for a long time. What did you do to make your first dollar as an entrepreneur? Oh, that's a good question. I can't wait for the behind the scenes of my janky setup to show you guys. (laughs) (laughs) I'm really excited to see it. Well, the first like serious, I have the check in my drawer in front of me. I don't even think I cashed it. I kept it because at the time mobile deposits weren't a thing. And I didn't want to give it up to the bank. And it wasn't that much money. (laughs) But the bank wasn't working. It wasn't worth walking to a bank for. Seriously, it really wasn't. But it was so exciting that somebody actually paid me for it. But I started thinking that I was going to be like the next hottest wedding stationer, like designing wedding stationery. And that was when I say started, like 
that was like a serious thing I was thinking about. It's so funny because when I look back on it, without understanding what I was doing, I've designed businesses with branding since I was little for ideas that I had. And I didn't realize the part of it that I loved the most was developing the identity. So I had a brand called Apothecary and I was going to make all natural like beauty care. Well, all the further I got was making a logo, but I loved that part of it. Then I had a brand called Abel and Grace, which is so funny because Abel is my son's name. And I forgot that I had named a bit, air quotes business, a fake business, Abel and Grace, but I had. And that was going to be bespoke wedding accessories. So I did like hair pieces. What I was never going to make any money doing that. Like I'm not talented enough to do something like that. But in my head, I have the business cards. I have the file sitting on an old computer someplace. I designed the identity. So funny. It's like you were building all these like little brands, but really all you were doing constantly over and over again was designing the identity of the brand. And exactly. then being like, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. But I loved making the identity or like mocking up a website in my head as, you know, websites became more prevalent. Because even when I was little, I had an interior design firm called Studio 13. It was ultimately just a case study after case study of pretend personal brand projects, personal portfolio building, which of course nobody should ever see any of those. Do not judge my work by those things. Please, please bring this portfolio out. (laughs) Oh my God, that'd be such good content. I just, yeah, I didn't realize that what I was doing was building identities. I was figuring out a way to position brands that I thought I would run myself. And ultimately, what I fell into loving the most was helping others build brands. And so that first paycheck was for wedding suite that I designed for a colleague. And I have always been obsessed with paper goods and did the whole scrapbooking thing in the 90s like everyone else and had the stamps and was making my own like birthday invitations and all that junk. I'm sure my mom still has a lot of that stuff in her basement. But what happened was is I really quickly learned that a tangible physical deliverable does not align with a flexible lifestyle. So I had mentioned that I traveled, I had quit my job. And what I found was colleagues were calling me or emailing me saying, hey, do you still design stationery? I have a project. And as we were traveling and not planning on working at all, I had quit my corporate career and we had just budgeted to be off of work for two plus years. I found that I constantly had work coming in. I constantly had at least a project at a time and I loved it, except when I was on a remote island and couldn't get connectivity. And I'm like walking around trying to connect to upload these large files that have to be high res. And as much as like that fueled my spirit, it just, I quickly realized it was not that for the life I wanted to build. And that was a really strong indicator of like, hey, cool. Okay, you got something here. You like being on your own. But the business context matters a ton when you think about how you're going to serve and how that plugs into the life that you want. Mm. And so I didn't want to be tied to a desk. I didn't want to be tied to, in this instance, a print shop. I didn't have a problem moving my computer everywhere. Yeah. And like getting to a print shop and then like posting it out and then like tracking the postage and then just like all oh of this gosh. stuff. And when you're somewhere else in the world and someone's calling you right. at a different time zone being like they haven't arrived. And yeah, I could just imagine all the exactly. like non exactly visible ways that that would yeah work. Terrible. Yeah. It was so stressful and it was a terrible I would assume a terrible client experience. <laughs> I never got any bad feedback, but I just, I can't imagine it was pleasant. Like, oh yeah, sorry, it's going to take four days to upload. 
literally i mean there were times where i was like oh my gosh we got to find a starbucks that will allow me to upload this and we're in the remote places that like there was no starbucks and there was no reliable internet it was just so stressful so it must have been a decent enough client experience because so many of my clients ended up calling back and saying hey we started a nonprofit or we started a business can you do logo design and i was like yeah sure yeah i do that i can do that and i quickly realized that working with brides is a lot less fun than working with entrepreneurs, which is what I alluded to earlier. And that is when I truly fell in love and created formal structure around what I had casually been doing my whole life, building these brand identities. And instead of building the fake businesses in my head that I thought I wanted to start, I was able to work with real humans doing really cool stuff and help them build their brand identity. I love that. The rest is history. The rest is history. And here we are. The rest is history. And so... And then I came on the podcast. And, and I mean, you know, pinnacle of your career, actually. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, well, for how long it's taken this to happen? Yeah, it feels like I feel like you've gotten more and more famous as well, the more and more that I've waited. <laughs> no, but seriously, I want to talk about brand identity because you find I've mentioned it a couple of times is, you know, a lot of the time entrepreneurs, especially in the startup phase, you know, they go and get their branding. And I'm using inverted commas because branding often when you're first getting started is just slapping a logo together. And it's a business card you 100%. probably won't use. We've all been there. And so and we've all been there. We've all been there. And so you do that, right? And then at some stage over a period of time you start to understand that your brand is more than a logo and a business card and some font types. And you start to really develop the brand identity. So how would you describe a brand identity as separate to the actual, I guess, like logos? And what is the difference between those for somebody listening? We always build our projects starting with strategy. So a lot of the initial work that we work on with a client is asking all of those hard questions that sometimes, especially as a founder, can feel complicated and complex and heavy. And it's like, we need business therapy to help get through it. So it's, why did you start? Why are you continuing to work? Who are your dreamy clients? Why is that the person you want to serve? And we start to really try to peel back the layers of the onion to really get to the heart of the why. Why are you here? What problem are you solving? And as you kind of unearth the uniqueness of a founder's story or a CEO's story, if they're still really connected to the brand personally, is a very impactful reason as to why these people are birthing this business to the world or trying to have the business thrive or grow or scale or whatever their goals are. And so the identity isn't just about the visual story alone. It is the pulse of the business, the experience of the business that you want to convey. It's a fluid emotional experience between consumer and brand that's really important to make sure the perception is on board. It's not just what you're putting out. It's also what's being consumed and how that's perceived. It evolves over time. It's not this stagnant thing that you build once and you're done like bless and release. That's not how this works. And so ensuring that we like to call it big B brand, your overarching umbrella captures that essence, that soul of the business. Identity helps express that visually with the written tone, verbal communication, so that it's communicated. It's something that's understandable and that a consumer can ideally relate to, consume from, and convert is always the goal here. Mm. It's a powerful, powerful thing, leverage. And it's so frequently not the first thing that's leveraged. Yeah. Right. I started with just a logo too. 
I started with just a shitty website too. It is so powerful. And, you know, even in in my own experience, like we're just having a logo and some fonts and those things. Like that's very helpful for like Canva and, you know, those things. Like so helpful, right? The one I actually came to starting to create more audio content, more written content, more video content. That was where it started to really fall apart for me because I didn't have the brand identity tapped in, you know? And because I was like, well, how do I show up? Like the questions start to become, who am I? <laughs> like, how do I sound? You're having this, this. it's like this existential crisis, right? Like people are like, just be you. And I'm like, what? Like, what do you mean just be me? Like, what the fuck is that? Like, right. It's just this right. really interesting thing that happens as you start to step in, especially when you're like a coach or a consultant and you are the face of your brand for the most part. Like, there is this thing that happens when you haven't identified your brand identity or you haven't created or built it where you almost go through a period of feeling like quite lost and you're like, someone just tell me what it is. Can someone just tell me how I sound? Yeah. I went through a whole phase of like asking all my friends and family and, you know, trying to just like, how am I perceived That's versus murdery. That's- how am I perceived versus what I'm actually delivering? So where do you guys, obviously you do this really in-depth questionnaire. If it's not, let's say a coach or a consultant and let's say it's a product-based business, How do you build a brand identity for something like that? I'm so happy you went there because the strategy looks different for a service provider and a product-based business. As a service provider, in most services, there is like a human element person or persona that is super clearly the face of the brand or there. You've got your personal brand. I have my personal brand. And We get to bring a lot more of the us as individual humans into that space intelligently, strategically. And our niche is naturally created because people are either going to like you or they're not going to like you. And so just leaning into the fullest expression of you as a service-based business owner is the easiest way to quickly get people through your funnel. If they're not for you, they're not going to click follow. If they're not going to like, they're not going to share. They're not going to consume. If they love you, they're alongside. So that is one thing that's really critical to think of if you're a service-based business owner. As a product-based business, it's super interesting to balance the pulse of the you that you want to bring forth, but there is also a different way to look at the market and what else is out there because your competition looks different for a product. Obviously, with service-based businesses, there's competition as well. But for a product-based business, it's not just about the founder. The founder can be centered in the story. We can each list a million different businesses that are product-based that have really centered founder stories. That also is very popular right now. People like to know the person behind the brand, the maker, the founder, the dreamer that's built something. And there are cases where we have absolutely no clue who is behind our most favorite product and we still love them so, so much. So the strategy is much more unique on a product-based business side. And the conversations that we have with those clients look a lot different. Positioning the why looks a lot different. Deciding how we express the person, the actual founder or you know whatever person, it's not always the founder, but that individual looks a lot different in a product-based business mm-hmm. than it does in a service-based business. And so it really depends on what are your goals? What are you comfortable with? What are you excited about? What does the market look like right now? Are you trying to you know, fit into a highly saturated market? Are you trying to, to disrupt your market? Are we really trying to tap into an established demographic that has really clear consumer behaviors? Are you trying to completely blow that up and look 
completely different on a shelf of bottled water and all of a sudden you're canned water. Like there's there's just so many different ways that this should be explored from a product-based standpoint. Mm. It's certainly not a one-size-fits-all between service and product-based businesses. From brand to brand, it shouldn't be anyway. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. I actually bought canned water for my first time the other day and I was like, this is a vibe. This is cool. What what brand? Okay, I couldn't tell you what brand it was, but it was a blue can, like sky blue. Anyway, I'll take a photo. I'll send it to you later. Because I was in the shop the other day and I was like, oh, I love a crisp can of anything, really. And so canned water, oh, yeah. I thought it was expensive. I was like, right. Yeah, so crazy. Yeah. yeah. It's like that tiny differentiator, right? Totally. In the States right now, I don't know how far they distribute, but I think it's just called Death Water, honestly. And they have completely disrupted the marketplace. It looks like a super hoppy beer can. There's a skull. The font is this like heavy gothic. Like it is loud and it has swept the nation. So smart. People love it. Everyone's drinking it. It's ridiculously expensive compared to other water options and maybe not ridiculously expensive. It is more expensive though. You're paying for that brand Mm. experience, but it looks damn good on the shelf. As you walk by, it is eye-catching. It is hard. I have to be like, what? Like, what? Is, I can't yeah, I kind of want to try canned water. And also it's expensive. Like, how much better is canned water going to taste? Like, I got one the other day. It was like, right. panic, like, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, this has got to taste right. like heaven. I have to try this thing, you know? Which is, it's so yeah. funny, isn't it? But it's the brand. Like, it catches your eye. It is. For sure. In product-based businesses, I think that's the other thing to really keep in mind is you on a shelf or even on the econ, on like an e-com experience, you might not have time to tell one lick of your story, but you visually have to be able to convert those people. If it looks good, it's going to be so much easier for that brainless add to cart. Absolutely. Not that we want to build soulless brands, but we're here to make some money, right? Like money is a thing that we need. And we'd absolutely. So any tools you can kind of plug into your toolkit, you know, think of branding as one of those. Same as with both product and service. You can't share the soul of your business until someone's in your world. And you can't get them in your world unless you can catch exactly. their attention. Right. So exactly. You know, whether that's yep. with absolutely in terms of like personal, you know, personal brand and a visual content that really stands out and cuts through for a personal brand or like a absolutely. Product, like you need them to pick it up to be able to find the soul of the brand. You know, like it, that's the required. Yes. So one hundred percent. Hey, um, before we jumped on, you spoke about something, and I've seen it through a lot of your like website and on your social media. You've spoken about something called brand obsession. And I'm thinking that all of our listeners would love to know a little bit about how do we get people obsessed with our brand? Like, how does one create a brand obsession? Yeah. Don't you wish that was an easy answer? I wish there was a formula. Yeah. Don't we wish there was like a silver bullet? Like, just give me the one tip. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. I remember being like just new budding. We had moved back. We had our first apartment after traveling. And I was like, I think I'm going to invest full time. I'm not going to try to get a regular job. And I went to a co-working space and I swear to you, I looked around and I assumed every woman in that room had the answer except mm-hmm. for me. And I felt like so scared and embarrassed and riddled with imposter syndrome. And, you know, I thought there was that silver bullet. I thought there was an easy answer that I wanted it. Oh my God, I yearned for it. My heart aches for her because I just, I truly believed that. And that's just not true. So the same concept applies here. At the basic level, if I could give a tangible suggestion, if you can truly on earth, within the depths of your being, why you are doing what you're doing and find a way to 
authentically share that message, you will create obsession with the right people. They will get bought in. They will get excited. They will buy. They will refer. And so that's going to look different from person to person to person. Now, next from that, somebody like you might say, and let's have amazing systems so that the client experience is fantastic and it's easy for you to do and you can deliver. And someone like me is going to take that and say, and let's have an incredible brand identity where your branding is unlocked and you're leveraging you know, the most compelling visuals to help pull people in. So there's not one way to build that. It's going to be super customized to who you are. And a lot of it has to do with, in my world, self-awareness, self-reflection, go to therapy and figure out what it is and why you're doing it. it. And it doesn't even have to be a deep meaning. You just need to take the time to figure out what that meaning is. If it's just like, fuck it, I don't care. I just want to make a million dollars. Okay, cool. Let that be your driver and figure out a way to appropriately convey that message and get people excited about what you have to yeah, offer. I love that. I think most of us at a core level, and I spoke about this on another podcast, and I think you'll really resonate with this, especially women and female entrepreneurs. We grow up with so many masks that we are continuously adding to our repertoire of masks oh. put on over our entire lifetime. And so when you become an entrepreneur, like I become an entrepreneur a bit later in life than other people. So I didn't even start my first side hustle until I was almost 28. So for me, I had quite a lot of masks up until that point before I actually took the leap, you know? Totally. And so coming into my yeah. 30s, it's almost like this unearthing of woman and this finding of who is Steph and what does she stand for? And then learning to not only find that, yes. but be okay with it publicly. There's like layers of this that the work that have to be done. Layers. Yeah. It's the work. <laughs> Everyone keeps talking about you're like, what is that? What is the work? Like, I think that's such a big part of it. And that's what you guys do, right? You help people, especially women, to do some of the unearthing so that they can come back to. And a lot of that is that you need it. And that's why therapy is so great, right? I guess what you do is brand therapy, like you said at the beginning. I can see it. I can see it Honestly. now. <laughs> because it's like on reflecting back at them what they're saying really they're landing and it's like landing they're like oh no that's that's actually not it and then you know it's like this really beautiful dance yes my favorite bit of feedback that we receive especially from our founders and our service-based business owners are like oh my gosh you created what i saw in my head but i didn't know how to articulate I didn't know how to ask for this. I didn't know how to create this. I didn't know this is what it was. But you've helped, you know, bloom that visual story and structure around what do we say? What don't we say? And that like makes my heart pitter patter every time when we're able to really pull that out of someone. And sometimes too, it's not about that person, but they still have a vision of what they want to create and getting that out of their head and creating something tangible with it. Yeah. And I think that's it. It's like, you don't have to be the face of the brand, but your DNA is in the brand. No. Your so DNA. your values are in the brand. I love so, that. Like that all has to come out of you. Like that is you pushing and creating that. So if you're not clear on that, then that's where someone like Sarah can come in and really help you to like nut that out and get that out of your heart and soul and do that hard work <laughs> that, you, that you don't yes. do on your own. Like, you're going to sit down and be like, what are my values? Like, it's just not work no. that we often sit down no. to do on our own. And even if we do it, we just kind of rush through it because we're probably task driven, you know, trying to get through our freaking days. And you don't know how. Right. Sometimes you're too close. You touched on earlier kind of a pivotal moment for you with identity was like, okay, now I'm making these videos and I have this podcast. Like, how do I show up? That is such a fantastic example of you get to choose the stuff that comes here with me today 
the stuff that sees your partner behind closed doors, the stuff that your parents see. Like you get to pick and choose how much and which pieces of you you're portraying in any interaction. And so something as simple as like, I swear. And so somebody that is cool with me being like, let's just fucking go. That's my person and we're going to get there together faster. Somebody that's like very conservative and doesn't appreciate a potty word is going to be like, so you're my gal. But is it appropriate for me to swear everywhere? No. I spoke at a university campus recently and I was like, I'm going to lock it up a little bit. This is just a different demographic. This is a different group that I'm sharing with. And, you know, it probably would have been fine, but I got to choose, okay, what part of brand representation am I going to share today? And that was a piece I was like, I'm going to dial that one down just a little bit. And that was my choice. I have full autonomy over doing that. Nobody's telling me to do that. When they brought me into the university, they knew, oh, okay, God, yeah, this took my job a few F-bombs. Like, they knew, they knew, right? But that's really important part of identity is deciding how you're going to show up, when, where, and why. And it's not going to be the same across the board all the time. Yeah, I love that. And I think that sometimes, and I'd love your take on this, the word authenticity, I think, gets thrown around. It gets thrown around a lot. I think that it has place and purpose for sure. But I also think that sometimes people feel like they have to leave it all on the table all the time. And it's really cool that we actually, it's not true. And I don't know, are you into human design and all of that sort of stuff? Yeah, cool. Yes. And so like my yes. business has a different yeah. path chart to me. And so it also has its own. Yes. Oh, I love that. Oh, I love that so much. And so she has her own thing that she does. Like, and she's got a lot of elements of me, mm-hmm. but she's got, you know, she does her own thing as well. And so there is that element of like, okay, I can be ver- different versions of myself, which we are anyway. I am a different version of myself when I hang out with my husband versus when I hang out yes. with my grandparents. You know? Yes, correct. <laughs> and so I love that what you're saying is like, you can pick and choose which elements of your brand you bring forward at any one time. Mm. Yes, absolutely. We talk a lot about, especially with founders, there's you, the founder, there's your brand and your dreamy client. And our job is to help find true alignment in the Venn diagram of the where those three cross over. The story isn't 100% about Steph. The story isn't 100% about the brand. And the story is not 100% about the consumer. It's the beautiful dance that all three of those create when there's crossover in that sense. How long did it take you to develop the Sarah Schultz brand? It was a slow burn. I launched the website as Sarah Schultz in 2014 because I didn't know what else to do. I was like, I just got to do something. I'm going to pick my name. That's what my business like formally will be structured under. I'll do the rest later. I'll figure out the rest later. I don't know what's happening here. And I slowly started to unravel and discover that people did like Sarah Schultz, the brand, and they were feeling connected to me and they liked my authenticity and they liked me telling real stories of how fucking hard it is to start a business and how exhausting it is to try to figure that out when your partner isn't on the same page as you. I was at the time, I was the only person I knew that was a business owner working remote. Everyone else I knew was going and getting a steady paycheck and coming home. That was so lonely and I was scared, but I was like, well, I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to prove to everyone I can do it. And me just bringing people along on that journey just created the most amazing connections. It's this that's happening right now that I'm like, I'm never going to let this go. And I quickly realized that my goals for what I wanted my client workload to look like needed a divorce from Sarah, the brand. And that 
we're in the middle of this epic split right now where my creative agency is free afternoon now. It's not just me and my face. I have a team of incredible talent that is helping, you know, with my guidance, build amazing brand stories that I'm still there. The essence of me is still there, but I am not nearly as much of the story and I don't need to be. How we're positioning, how we're financially targeting our price point, we're playing a different game over there. But hey, Sarah Schultz, the brand, I was like, I love these women. I love these women that have time and not money. I love these women who are afraid but are still doing it. So I wanted to find a way to nurture over on that side. That was already who I was connected with. That's for the most part who the demographic was. And so we're in the middle of like learning what the demographic wants, learning what we want to do and really realizing, holy shit, these are two very unique separate brands that need to be nurtured differently and making sure that we're able to do that strategically. And a totally new business was birthed out of that. Doing the same things we're doing, it's just a different expression of that. If you're listening right now, one thing that I want to draw your attention to is that Sarah has just told us that it's coming up on a decade since the Sarah Schultz brand was first brought to this world, birthed in this world, and she's still working on it. And so I think that our society, like we desire completion so quickly. We just want it to be done. You know, just like, let's just finish it. Yeah, like, can we get this knocked out in three weeks? She's like, build me a brand in three weeks. It kind of just doesn't work like that. Like you said at the very beginning of this podcast, this is an evolution. It's an ongoing. Every week, every year, every experience you have will change the way that the business runs, will change the way that the brand is developed. It's a constant work of art, right? Yes. That evolution is so key. Which earlier you asked, like, who we love working with. And on the agency side, I love someone who already has proof of concept. Because we can start, impact really looks different at that point. You maybe have some of those jitters worked out. You have some money coming in. You're ready to create obsession. You're ready for next level. You're ready for skyrocketing into the future. And you know you can do it. It's just how are we going to get there? But there's still obviously so many people who are toying around with just getting started. They need free resources. They need blog content. They're totally cool hanging out on YouTube. I mean, I learned CSS just by Googling shit. And I'm no longer allowed to develop anything on our website. I have a developer. She's like, she's like, I can tell that you left that. Uh, you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. She knows. She, looking at my old sites that I touched, it's just like totally embarrassing. I feel really bad for all of that. It looked great, but it was not written well. But my point is, is like there's self-starters that don't have a POC yet. They don't have cash coming in. And I want to honor that, too, and serve that, too. And that took, you're right, 10, 10 years. years to making. I didn't realize yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. 10 years coming up. Oh my God, so incredible. So if someone is, look, just getting started right now and they're listening to this podcast, they're like, cool, oh my God, like I have a logo. I want to create brand obsession. Where is the first place that they should start? Like what would their first next, what would their right next step be? Get some self-awareness. Start thinking about what it is you want to do with the business, where it's going, I'll be the first to say it's not always the right first investment to say, I'm going to hire an agency to do my branding. So that self-awareness piece is super important because if you're trying to be this globally recognized persona or you know product, like you have to play at the global level and your brand better be locked up. Your messaging better be clear. Like there isn't an option for you not to invest time, energy in reflection and figuring out what the identity is, how it should look, how it should sound. If you're cool just 
having some referrals pop in and you just want some extra cash on the side, like, I don't know if it makes sense for you to invest tens of thousands of dollars into figuring out some of these components. So again, there's not one answer. It really is going to be customized and personalized to every individual and what their goals are with their brand and with their business. Are you just trying to get by or are you trying to leave legacy? Do you want a brand that's big enough to be bought out by someone else? Or are you just happy with you and your small little team? Like there's just so yes, there's not a real answer here. There's an infinite number of right answers. It's your right answer and it's my right. Answer. So that would be my first recommendation. Really get a good pulse of what's the goal? What's the point? Mm. What's your why? Google search. What's my why exercises? I mean, that's really? got to be oh my God, Simon Sinek, right? Like the right 100%. Yeah, that's definitely worksheets on that on the internet for free. Yes, totally. Mm. Like start with that stuff. Start with figuring out those things that don't cost a lot of money before you decide, oh shit, yeah, I want to invest in this. I want to invest some money. You're just figuring this out and taking on partners or hiring an agency or whatever. Don't just throw cash at it for shits and giggles because I chose to throw cash at yes, it. That's correct. You chose to throw cash at it. Like that was right. Mm-hmm. Those are right moves for us. Yeah, absolutely. I really enjoy that you have wrapped this up with being like that really empowerment message of like you get to make the rules and you get to make the choices and you get to follow your own path, right? And and carve your own path. Like just because you and me have carved our paths doesn't mean you have to walk on the same path. You could walk on the path next to it. Yeah. Yes. I'm in my mid 30. My favorite thing I've learned and I'm trying to save space for every day is holding multiple truths at one time. So I can feel, you know, that sting of maybe some jealousy when I see somebody achieving something I crave and want. And I can be so excited for them and so proud of them and cheer them on. I'm not a bad person for wanting that. That has nothing to do with me as a being that has, that's a fleeting thought feeling that I've had that's like probably some sort of indicator of like, oh shit, okay, I got to go try to get after what that is. What is this about this situation that's making me feel that yuck inside of me or whatever it is, right? You can be sad for you and happy for someone. You can be sad for someone and happy for you. And I think this whole mean girls, you know, middle school teenage bullshit is really built on the concept that like we need to fight for ourselves, that there's only room for one, that your success is my failure. And that is not true whatsoever. Look at all the men sitting in C-suites that all look the same. Most of them are named John statistically. Like there's room for all them. So there can be total room for us too. And for whatever reason, we've just been cornered into this concept that we can't. Yeah, I just, I love reminding myself, God, I can feel excited for me and sad for someone else or excited for them and sad for me or or whatever those feelings are at the same time. And that is a lot. Finally, it can be a lot to hold. It can be a lot to hold. So just because it's worked for you or it's worked for me, it doesn't mean it's supposed to be that way for everyone. Yeah, absolutely. You know? And I love that. And I think that that's a really beautiful note to wrap up on is like it gets to be yours and it gets to be your way. And you can hold multiple yeah. trees, which I love. Thank you so much for being on the podcast of me today and sharing your incredible wisdom. Guys, if you want to and if you just want to be best friends with Sarah like I do, please go and check her out. Her social tags will be in the show notes. But Sarah, it was so nice to hang out today and really enjoyed having the other podcast guys if you loved today's episode please tag both of us on social media let us know what your biggest takeaways were thank you so much sarah thank you for having me 
babe. Thank you for tuning into today's episode. It means the absolute world to have you here with me. If you want more, head to the show notes below to check out our latest free resources, along with the exclusive link for podcast listeners to book in a free 15-minute strategy session to find out how you can boom your biz. 